Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. My name is Andy Mitten. It's not even Easter and Manchester United season is already over. It's not been a great past week for United and the standout was the game in Munich. I'm joined first of all by Stephen Armstrong. Uh, Stephen was in Munich in the way in the Allianz Arena. Hello Stephen. Morning. How was the trip? It was uh, typical as they always are. It was great off the pitch. Uh, it wasn't too good on it but I don't think uh, anyone was surprised. So um, I think everybody went out there. I mean it was a bonus wasn't it? I think mean, you know we were struggling coming back from Olympiacos. We weren't sure whether it was going to be another trip to go and enjoy. So the draw was kind to us. Uh, gave us a great place to go. Um, we had minimal expectations. Um, ahead of the game and uh, you know I think we were right to think that so yeah it was it was great we went uh, we went by Copenhagen and then in Munich so we went to Munich in the afternoon the place was pretty much full already so um, usual fun and games in the Hofbau house and the usual the usual places around there so that was good fun um, we went over to the crash site the next day as we always tend to do when we go over there and I think I've said it in the next fanzine about the thing that I really took from that more than anything else and just a great memory from the trip really it wasn't just the usual old guard you know people of sort of our age who, who always make a, a journey over there there was a lot of people who were out there for the first time a lot of the younger lads as well and you know that bodes well for the not just the support going forward but uh, it's good to know that the club's history is still very much top of mind for fans sort of young and old so yeah it was a it was a top trip uh, where were you by the way you were meant to you were meant to let me know when you got there I was meant to let you go, cause, but I didn't because I had to cancel my flight to Munich on the morning of the match. I'd booked it um, uh, on the day of the draw, 177, um, flying into Munich at midday, flying back the next day. But uh, I had a, another issue, which was my wife was eight and a half months pregnant, and I did a deal with her that I could travel until a month before the, the due date. I have to travel an awful lot with my work. And the due date was the 18th of April. And managed to push that back to the 31st of March at 11pm when I returned from India. And the trip to India, there's another podcast on that. There's a United Angle there that I think everyone will be interested in. It's a really good story there. And I didn't tell my wife that I booked a flight to Munich. And she's great. She, she, you know, I travel all the time. She's absolutely fine. She understands it's my job. I uh, got my ticket sorted for Munich, didn't book a hotel and got to the start of last week and she started saying I'm feeling a bit of movement and I said well you know I've got to Munich, she said you know really you'd rather not go and miss the birth of, of your child uh, so she had an appointment on Wednesday morning so I said well why don't we take the, um, the doctor's opinion and the appointment was at 10.30 and the doctor said uh, there's movement and your baby's on the way. Uh, strongly suggest that you don't <laughs> don't go anywhere. So I rang Lufthansa up, cancelled the flight. I got fifty two euros back on my tax, which will be returned to my credit card in in six weeks. And uh, the little girl was born on Friday morning, so I, mi- I missed it. Uh, I was gutted because I've not missed a European trip for ages, and I love going to them like you do. I know that um, my trips are slightly different to yours because can't go on the bay, I've got to write when I'm there and I had to write, um, I'd agreed to write articles on the trip to Munich, I had to cancel all them, I'd agreed to do the evening, a piece for the Manchester Evening News and the, the sports editor there just said don't be stupid, <laughs> 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 babies are more important. There's going to be people listening to this podcast 
tweet. No, no, I know. To be honest, uh, I really, really wanted to go, and uh, but then I, I thought you just been you just been an idiot. You've been <laughs> you've been really stupid. And when I spoke to people, I, 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 they they said to me, and football people as well, not just people who you know who are logical. Um, they they just said you know take professional advice. I, I was I was gutted. Uh, Andy Cole missed the the birth of his son because he was playing for Manchester United and he, he regrets that. Really? To, to this day, yeah. What game? Yeah, what game was it? I'm I'm not sure. Well, Devante now. Well, I'm glad he missed it because he's a blue, the little lad. He played for City, but he's he's nine. I think he's nine, 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 nineteen now. So um, yeah, disappointed because I love that that Allianz Arena. Munich's a brilliant city. I've been to Munich, I think, three times in the last year for different jobs, and one of them was to see Hans Jörg Butt, who was the on the on the podcast. Yeah. Last week, and Ronnie Reng lives over there. It's, it's a fantastic city. I really love it, especially in the summer, with the English gardens and you know, the beer houses. And you were in the Hofbrauhaus, you said. We were in there the uh, the night before. It got uh, yeah, it got it got even too leery even for them in there. I mean, normally it's one of those places where you can pretty much do what you like, but uh, they, uh, they they stopped English fans going in for a little bit because it was getting a bit raucous. And then in the end, I think they ended up saying, "Look, enough's enough." <laughs> Yeah. The thing is, United on your way tend to turn everywhere into the Hofbar house, don't they? Yeah. Did you see any trouble? Because there were reports of, of 17 arrests. Well, I didn't know. I didn't see any trouble in the sense of, uh, while I was out there, I read it in the paper the day after that there'd been 17 arrests. I think he said there was, they were largely for trying to gain access to the stadium without tickets, which isn't uncommon, you know. Um, I did hear about one incident near the train station, but I, I, I didn't see anything. It was pretty, you know, it, it was pretty like, I think the fact that, you know, people had their own agenda, you know, a lot of people, as I said, wanted to go out to the crash site and pay their respects and some of them to see for the first time. I think the unique to one of those places as well, where because of its size, you know, you can spread out a little bit. Um, so I think that probably almost, and I think the other thing, there was just no, no stress or no pressure really. And I, I think people just thought, you know what, this is, likely to be our last Champions League game at least for one season possibly longer so you know I'm just going to enjoy it and you know the mood largely was pretty good I thought it was good that the team went out to the crash site and paid their respects and I'm, I saw I, some I, I, I mean I, I did, you know I've got a photograph of the, the wreath they left you know red and white flowers um, but uh, you know just the message nice and simple you know you know, it, their contribution will never you know and will never be forgotten all of those kind of things very poignant um, quite right too um, so I wasn't surprised I'm guessing that for the, the current management setup is probably the first time that they've sort of seen or, or been over there themselves to see it so yeah nice touch but uh, you know quite right too but so, yeah it's you know it's, it's the right thing to do isn't it yeah, even City went there when they played in Munich Brian King yeah, I've seen a lot of pictures I've seen a lot of pictures of City fans on there actually and uh, you know I think it's like any you know you get to the Hillsborough Memorial there's loads of stuff there from United fans City fans and loads of stuff over there you know so is the you know we one does get tired with all though don't they when yeah. these things tend to get the air time but, uh, but yeah, yeah it was uh, I didn't see anything remotely involved in sort of trouble and even back in the back in the city afterwards most people heading back into in and around the uh, the central station area and just got on with having a good drink and you know we were, we were having a good chat with Bayern fans both on the way up to the ground on the way back and you know they, you know they a lot of them were saying things along the lines of it's sad that you know they were pretty much saying that Manchester United belong in the European Cup 
Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that we're not going to be in it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty light-hearted throughout, and uh, and as I said, a generally, generally good trip. The atmosphere and the colour, at least on the television, uh, it looked really good at the start of the game with that big collage, Kingtons yeah, and the stuff up into the air as yeah. well, which I, you know, anything that looks like something's blown up is always good where, where I'm coming from, so it, yeah. it looked pretty spectacular. But again, you know, you look at the United end, I reckon they were looking in at the other end, looking at the United front spread across all the that top tier with the flags all over the place. It looked absolutely fantastic because it was on a curve. Yeah. You know, normally when you sort of all sort of facing straight, you don't actually get to see sometimes what it's like. You kind of rely, you kind of rely on the photographs that get sent over to you, don't you? But because yeah. of the curve, you can sort of see it both sides. It, it looked fantastic, and, and I will, I'll tell you one thing, mate. That that goon around for twenty two seconds yeah. after Pepper's goal went in, it's up there with some of the, you know thirty yeah. odd years I've been going to watch yeah. it. It's up there with some of the best that I've actually been involved in. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know. Yeah, we've got um, your article in the next United We Stand, which is now downloadable. Um, the subscriptions will be posted out on Wednesday when they get back from the printers. We'll be selling copies outside Goodison on Saturday and we'll be selling the mag at Norwich, Norwich at home. Um, your article's in there, Steve. Uh, Chad Simpson sent some pictures in, photographer Chad, which is good of him. So there's some lovely, lovely pictures um, from that, you mentioned Hillsborough. We've got to be careful legally what we say because of the the inquest which is ongoing. But I saw a, a photo which was published as part of the inquest of a fence at the Leppings Lane. I was it just totally struck me. Didn't expect it to have a reaction. And I tell you what, it was it was it was the Leppings Lane after the disaster. And there were no no scarves, no flowers, nothing like that. It was just a fence, and I tell you what, I was struck by how big those fences were, and how big we. Well, I started going to games, away games, when those fences were up, and I can remember going to Nottingham Forest in 1988, and thinking, as I was 14, paying four quid, thinking this is twice what I earn on my paper round. This is a rip off, and it's one reason which led me to start United We Stand. I think in football fans get treated like dogs. Um, the view was terrible. There was a floodlight piling in the middle of the way, and there was a big fence at the front. But that fence at Hillsborough, it's it's like two and a half meters high, and the top of it curves in. You're not getting out over that, and it's slightly buckled by the weight of pressure uh, against it. And I don't want to talk Hillsborough because we've 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 discussed it before. We've discussed it in the mag, but those fences were the norm. Yeah, I can't believe that we stood behind them. That, that our views of football matches were behind fences like that, yeah. look, peering through little gaps in the wall. And what's almost equally incredible is the fact that you know that something like that hadn't happened prior. Yeah. That, you know what happened, and we all know how dreadful what happened was. But uh, you know that had been coming, and it had been coming. You know at that place for quite a bit as well, unfortunately. But but yeah, um, that's that's the way now. And you know there's a lot of issues surrounding football now, and people want to go back to standing and stage standing and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I saw, um, I was in several crushes myself as a kid. The worst one was actually in the Stratford end. It was an FA Cup game against Chelsea, probably 1987. And I remember thinking, this is frightening, eh? Just swaying around. The first person I started 
I go into the games with um, for one, you know, about three months prior to what happened at Hillsborough. Yeah. I won't say the ground, yeah. um, but uh, there was really, really bad things there. Very, very similar. Obviously, didn't end up in the, you know, as tragic as that one was. But yeah. um, he, he made the decision to never go to a football match ever again that day, and still hasn't gone back. And he's still somebody who I, you know, the first person I ever went to games with. You know, it's, it's just, you know, that's how people felt at the time. I, I do believe safe standing can work. I think there's a future there. I've seen it. I've, I've been to grounds in in Germany. I was at Union Berlin a month ago. It, it was brilliant. Three yeah, quarters. We, of, we saw the rails the other night. You know. Yeah, three quarters of the ground was standing, and I'm not suggesting that Old Trafford will ever be three quarters terracing. Apart from anything, it all about hundred and twenty thousand. <laughs> it'd, it'd be absolutely yeah. brilliant. Well, brilliant be, yeah, you know, but uh, again, you know, whether we agree with this or not, you know. That, the atmosphere when stood up, whether it be in the old days or stood up safely like it is at away games, improves the ground and the atmosphere massively. And another change which has been muted is the singing section at Old Trafford. And it was announced last week that it's going to be permanently in jail of next season, and that's caused a, a lot of consternation online among Reds in jail who quite rightly don't want to move. They've sat there for a long time. They object to their to their seats being moved. I think it's it's a shame that, that it's come to this and I can understand all sides of the argument. I was very supportive of the singing section and I still think, I know it sounds cliched and terrible, it really does, but I still think something needs to be done to give the atmosphere at Old Trafford a boost and I, I stood in it for the Real Sociedad game and it was brilliant, it was really, really good. And I, I was in um, two meetings with the club the first one two years ago uh, when this idea was, was muted and in my experience, the club listened, and, and I said to them, you've got to put the right stewards in that section. People are going to stand. You've got to be realistic in your outlook there. You've got to let people bring the flags and the banners through. And the club are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great in there. And now it's come to this where they're talking about it going in, in J-stand after the second section. And I just think it's just turned into, into a mess again. And in some ways, typically United. Yeah, and, 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 you know, listen, there's a couple of schools of thought here, you know, and the fact that, you know, United, it's one of the damned if they do, damned if they don't, but, uh, you know, it wasn't a great move picking what was who'd been going for years, and that was probably the grumbliest stand out there, you know what I mean? And, you know, the, the, you were always going to get this pushback, it's a, it's a stand that matters, you know, it's like J and K were always the stand that, you know, Akidos been in there, and these people have been in there for years, and to move them on is, is wrong, but the fact of the matter is, though, is that, you know, you look at where we sit in the in the league this year. Uh, you know, our away form is, I, I believe, I'm, I'm not sure if this is facts or not, but I know we've won 10, drawn 3, lost 4 away, and that puts us top of the away form. So there's clearly an issue at Old Trafford in terms of the way we play and the way we perform. And do you know what? We need to do something about the atmosphere at Old Trafford because our form, everything about the club at Old Trafford isn't right this season. You know, and that can't be all down to the fact that, you know, it's the management or it's the players. Look at the way we play away from home, you know. So there's something clearly not right there. And, you know, I'm not. I think I said in the fancy myself a while, but I'm not. I'm not so sure that a singing section is the answer. But it might be the start of getting us towards the answers. And you know, it. it I can't see how it being in L stand was any different to it being in J stand. I just can't see 
yeah, we can get him moved to other grounds, and I don't see why that would be an issue at Old Trafford. I think L would be perfect from the, the police objected to that, but I don't agree with that decision. So why would I the police object to it being L? That's the bit I don't get. It's parallel to J. Because, well, as I understand, it's because it's closest to the, the coach park and they walk people across, away fans, straight into there. But I don't think it would be that difficult to move the coach park 100 yards to another part of the car park and, and walk, walk people, people in somewhere else. Walking past oh, no, that, no. that coach park in some way, shape or form. You know, know. probably half that because obviously some might go over the bridges, but And, and the club are partly to blame for the problems that have led to the atmosphere in the past with like putting the executive seats in the Stratford end and I, I, th- I think it's good that the club genuinely want to do something yeah but a lot this is where someone at the club needs to be you know this is where this is where the supporters groups yeah um, need to be quite active in terms of the guidance that the clubs are giving you know they've, they've got to be a better state for them you know because I still find it staggering that on mass, somebody didn't say to the club, "Look, if you if you do go into J stand, there'll be absolute war, love war on your hands because of the fact that it's a sensitive stand. It means a lot, just like K does. So don't even go there. We'd be better off with no singing section than going into there. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, whatever guidance we've given hasn't been heeded. And then, you know, I think I said to you before when I came back after work yesterday, I kind of like I had to look on Twitter and sort of all hell of breaking loose. It's like an even a no singing section, you know, Twitter account now. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's one of them. It's you know, it's just breaking up into arguments everywhere. And let's face it, that's it's not the first time that's happened at United in the past, is it? No, I think the club need to try and find a solution, whether it's through through consultation and speaking to the people who sit in that stand, which they say they're doing. I think it's that the club have consulted yeah. with you know people like yourself, people yeah. like Barney, and, and I'm absolutely convinced that people like yourself and the Barneys in this world and other people who've been involved would have said, "Don't let yeah. me do in here, I don't think yeah, that. Um, I don't think that the the, 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 the J stand moving all the people is is a good idea I think L is a, is a great idea but you know I honestly feel like it could give United fans a grand coming into the turnstile and offer them have Elizabeth Whirly, Hurley waiting on the other side of the turnstile and you'd still have people seeing their arse saying it should be Scarlett Johansson and this is an absolute disgrace and it's typical of United so I think there's an element of can't do right for um, um, for doing wrong here and there's also there's a lot of United fans despise the club yeah, they hate the club. And, 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 and you know, look, each to their own and all that. But you know what, the club and being at Old Trafford, you know, my personal view, and I know it's not everybody and everybody's entitled to their own. But being in that ground matters to me more than the chair I'm sat on. Yeah, yeah, it's um, people have got different views on it, haven't they? They have indeed. But uh, do you know what? You know, we we just need to get on with enjoying what going to the match is all about, and sometimes. People lose sight of that very, very quickly when things like this come. You know, going to the match, having a crack with your mates, wherever you sat, you know, is is what's important about going to the game. Just disappoints me when anything like this sort of splinters out into other stuff. You know. Mm. Well, we'll print any views in United we stand if people send in for and against. More than happy to take on board all the opinions. And even on our website, there's been 
some very strong um, threads on there, people saying this singing section is the worst idea ever, and some people saying completely the opposite of that. Some people saying, I'm quite... The beauty of fanzine culture, you know, it's a platform for people to give opinions, you know, and put, you know, what people who get on there and, you know, not hiding behind some, you know, made-up name on Twitter or, or, or whatever, they're not doing anybody any favours, you know what I mean? But this is, this is another... There's faceless people out there, and it's stop being faceless guy there and, and how they're viewed in the proper way, using the right platforms. And, you know, maybe that, maybe that will start to get some, some progress with this sort of stuff. This is another thing with with, um, with Twitter. There was a former player recently contacted ten people on Twitter, and eight of them weren't who they said they were. So you don't know what you're dealing with. It's very easy to set up an account and use yeah. a use a black name, but you don't yeah. know who the person is behind it. Yeah, well, the other two just didn't have the intelligence to change it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I said, yeah, no, it is me. I am Ryan Giggs, and uh, I've only got five followers. Brilliant. Um, so I just see the the rest of the season playing out now doing, um, in a damp script. Potentially, yeah. um, both said it at the same know, time. No big games really, but uh, you know, listen, all our sides are on Southampton. Massive long trip for the last uh, last game of the season. You know, you know the third is for the bus, so you know that's going to be an absolute. I mean, we've been booked out for the Ricketts table table. We've been booked out for Southampton. You know, I don't think he even got onto the phone. Um, which is annoyed of, you know, there was that many people just piling on for it. So that's going to be a good one to look forward to. Uh, similar to what I said really on this a couple of weeks, you know, I just think United ended the season in good form and and hopefully ending with some momentum that they can take in, you know, to the next season is going to be important. And and again, you just look at the away form, I think, what is it now, five, five or six? You know, we've not even, I don't think we've conceded an away goal. I think the, the last last four away games played four one four. You're right, not conceded a goal and, and scored eleven. Yeah, so the, the one prior to that was Arsenal, which was no nil. So yeah, best that we did concede. So there's something, you know, and I've, I've said, you know, I think I, that formation that we've played. I, I think you know this matter and Cagua thing has properly has come right out of the blue, really, and spanned it for quite a few in terms of their opinions because I just think United. Uh, West Ham at Newcastle, West Brom, I've looked at even even at Palace as well. We've looked fantastic with that formation of of one up front and those two, you know, behind them. Whether you know, and I just think that's got to be the way forward. For so I'm looking forward to seeing how that materialises over the next couple of games. But I tell you what, I want United to do more than anything else is just stick with the winning side, you know, and and stick with the side and stick with the formula that clearly works. You know, you look the other. We've just made too many changes. You know, what disappointed me about the City and the Liverpool game is, is the side that turned up at Old Trafford had a formation and players in it that just didn't reflect the side that had gone away and, and quite handsomely won quite in a quite commanding way at the at the away games prior to that. So that's what United need to do. And again, I think, you know, I keep hearing these stats about, you know, we haven't you know, we've got, we've used more players already this season than, than we've ever done ever before and more in the league. So we're kinda of getting what we're asking for a little bit. So, you know, I just want to see some stability, some some momentum. And then we'll see where that goes more than anything else. But um, you know, this it seems as if I think the Everton win yesterday probably finally put the mockers on um the slightest glimmer of hope about coming forth, which I certainly didn't cling to, but a lot of people were touting it around. But, um, you know, I just think um, we've, we've just got to try and end the season well and then hopefully we can put this one behind us and, and move on in some way, shape or form. That's the big priority for us. And then, uh, you know, big party at Southampton on the last day of the season.
you mentioned Kagawa. It's interesting because I think six or seven weeks ago, his future looked really bleak at United. He wasn't starting matches, um, especially since Mata had joined the club. But you're totally right. He had, um, he had a good game at West Ham away. He probably had his best game at Newcastle away. He's, I think he's got lovely technique. When you watch him, he's, he's, he's skillful. He looks balletic almost. His interchanges with Mata, we mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago, are really uh, encouraging. I think he just needs a goal now. He's, he's getting, you know, he's, he, uh, up to a month ago he hadn't made an assist or scored. He's started putting assists in there. I think there was a game against Swansea in, where he was given an assist, but it wasn't really. It was like a, a header off um, a goalkeeper. Um, but he's, I think he's doing really well. And from yeah, thinking I- seven weeks ago... He hasn't got a future here. Unfortunately, you can see he's good. It's just not worked out. Touches of the, the Varon situation. And I think that he is starting. Moyes started him in the biggest game of the season at Bayern Munich away. And he was never going to get the space in Bavaria that he got at St. James's Park. And he had to come back and defend far more often than he'd like to, especially on the left-hand side in, in front of Evra. But there's a player there. And if he can be used right, then he could finally fulfil the potential which we all thought when he signed from Borussia Dortmund because if he leaves you know he'll go somewhere and he'll he'll kick on he's, we've and, got two players now and he's a young lad still got up front who, no matter what they do in that game have got that one split second of genius yeah. that can unlock all kinds of things and, and I, you know it's a bit like when Andy Cole suddenly found his soulmate when you know Dwight York pitched up and then he, he went on to another level and did this you know parrot you know you, Comparables can be drawn between what's going on with Matter and, and, and Kagawa, so we'll see how that goes. And you know, again, it's going to be an important summer for the club. I think it's going to be challenging trying to attract world class without Champions League, and this is where United are going to have to rely on on intent and history to try and attract some of these people. But you know, um, I have no doubt whatsoever that we'll not be in the wilderness for too long. I think. Um, you know, if we saw our old traffic for now, regardless of what we've, what's gone on this season, we'd have been top four comfortably. Um, so we've got to look at the reasons for that. Um, you said York and Cole, that was Southampton away in September 98, I think it was. And remember Ferguson saying after that game, wow, wasn't expecting that. Know that they're both good players. Know that I've got four very good forwards. And in that same month, he played them two at Camp Nou. And United drew three all, and they were brilliant. And I think grim for Andy Cole when yeah. Well, he he um he said on on this podcast that he'd been told that United had gone in for Cliver in the summer of two of nineteen ninety eight, and had that gone through, he, he felt he would have been sold. So he got, went from him thinking mentally, I'm leaving Manchester here, to finding that partnership with York really flaring up. And people saying that this is the best partnership in, in Europe now. I spoke to people in Barcelona 10, 15 years after that, and they're saying those two black lads up front for Manchester United that year, wow, they destroyed us. Yeah. And that game in Camp Nou, it's one of my top five, that one. Because yeah, they had a hell of a team. They had Rivaldo, they had Figo. They had the prospect of the European Cup final at Camp Nou in their centenary year. And United, they didn't win. We drew both games. The game at Old Trafford was brilliant. Luis Enrique was a cracking player. I spoke to him about it as well. And he's like, they kept coming at us. Manchester, they just kept coming at us. And I'm listening to this thinking, this is fantastic. Just hearing how good the team we support used to be. 
And if the the turning point for Kagawa was that game at West Ham or, or more to the point at, at Newcastle, then great. But where does this leave Van Persie? Because you're looking at these four players up front, they're exciting, albeit only be in mid-table sides and Newcastle are way out of form. It's a terrible form this year. That's why I think Everton away at the weekend is really interesting. Because if United can go there and win, it'll be the first time we've beaten a team in the top six or seven yeah. away from home. Everton are a good side. I think Moyes would love to beat them because he got dog's abuse at Old Trafford. It surprised me how strong the abuse was from, I from Everton fans. I mean, they were giving them a guard of honour, weren't they, a couple of weeks by that, and then, uh, you know, same thing. But, um, yeah, that's football for you, isn't it? Yeah. And then next year, it's looking like the Europa League. What's your attitude? Is it, <laughs> we're going to go and visit some brilliant places we've never been to before, or this is a shocker? United clearly should be in the Champions League. And Mate, the, the alternative for me is holidays with the missus, so it's Europa League all the way for me. And um, you spoke to Tony O'Neill, did you? About I saw, yeah, I saw Tony quite a bit. Out there. I was on, was on the flight with him, so yeah, he's uh, you know he's got he's got a travel company with a couple of decisions to make. You know, I think he's just worried about uptake on trips more than anything else. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm a, look, he should have been football than Manchester United. Uh, you know, you telling me that you know that if we ended up in the final, would you you know the old way to cope on on offer for us? because he's got his travel company but I don't see any of his the lads who go with him stopping going next year because of the tournaments and on the contrary I think that potentially looking at the potential opponents the cities like Seville which are fantastic places to go to as you said some of the best uh, away trips have not been in the Champions League the, the game in Bilbao a few years ago I know United lost I thought it was brilliant not just the atmosphere in the whole city like 50,000 people having a party who weren't even at the match. There was um, Ajax. And I'm not advocating that the future is Europa League football for United, but we could be sent to some mental places. Volgograd, really interesting. I don't think we'd ever go there in the... I think from Kazakhstan, isn't it? Yeah, well, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, well, you know, listen... It could be. Own, you know, if people don't want to go, then don't go. But, you know, there's there people out there who, who can watch United no matter what. And, you know, it, it's just... Well, then you never know when it might not be your last. And, you know, talk to a Liverpool fan who've had no European football this season. Yeah, it might have helped them in, but, you know, they, they, they get green with Embry every time they hear about us lot going here, there and everywhere. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I'd rather not be in the Europa League when in comparison to the Champions League. But if the alternative was nothing, then I'd rather be in it. And, you know, uh, I could handle Thursday nights and playing. I don't see how playing on Thursday and a Sunday is any different to playing on a Wednesday and Saturday, to be honest. A couple of lads gave me some feedback later in the week um, and one was saying, you don't realise in Manchester, Thursday is United for, for darts. 
And going back yeah. to Volgograd, I know United went out. Um, I remember sitting at Old Trafford, the home game, I think when Schmeichel went out to try and get the late goal. This was in 95. Yeah. And I remember seeing, remember Scotty, who used to do the, the travel tours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all ended in a mess in, in 99 in Barcelona. But I remember seeing him leave the ground distraught because he had no more European trips. And if, yeah. if you're a travel operator and you've got no European trips, you're not going to be a travel operator... Uh, for, for very long but I think that once the reality has, has, has struck and, and settled that it's going to be Europa League football people will look forward to to the draw potentially going to really good places and Birmingham City went to Bruges they took 6,000 I didn't realise that until um, a few months ago when I saw a picture there's so many brilliant cities in Europe which have teams who are never really going to get into the Champions League that United could get lucky I remember writing in the mag after the bounce when we got knocked out in Basel and, um, you know, I think I mentioned about the fact that we, was, we were in the pub next door at the team hotel and when the coach pulled there was quite a lot of people who went over there and started giving it the verbal. And uh, I, I remember writing that I think if they'd known at the time that the Europa League that we'd just been dumped into was going to send us straight to Amsterdam, I don't think anybody would have said a word of it. They'd been shaking their hand. My first game of this season was on July the 4th in the Europa League. It was in a pre-pre-qualifier between Prestat in town and a, a Latvian team. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. And it was away in Latvia. I went for work to do an article on it. It was absolutely brilliant. I'd never even heard of the city before. And of course I'm going for work. You know, it's different. Absolutely. But it, it, was, it was a beach resort in Latvia in July. It was an old Russian naval port. And I don't think United will be putting that early. There's a chance that United could be playing late July, which might um, affect the pre-season a, a little bit. But when that draw is made, I, I look forward to it. Of course, it's secondary, but there's no way. Is, that, is it how far down? Is, this, is it sixth or seventh? It depends on where Arsenal finish. So Arsenal, Arsenal win the FA Cup, does it? Yeah. So that, Arsenal qualifying fourth and win the FA Cup, it yeah. comes out seventh. Yes. So it's looking a bit precarious at one point. Yeah, but I think Europa League football's going to happen now. And my uncle's uh, Wigan's kit man, so I, uh, I was a bit gutted for him yesterday. Because, uh, but he's been travelling with Wigan this year away in Europe, and the stuff he's told me—I mean, I couldn't, yeah. pr- I couldn't, couldn't print any of it or write any of it. But Mate, you want to see what I leave out when I write for the you know we stand when I come out from you know back from your Champions League games. I think the, the, the issue with the Europa League, I actually don't think will be relative to away games. It will be what goes on at Old Trafford because yeah. Old Trafford is going to have thirty or forty thousand people in there, and it's going to have you know people who opting out of cup schemes left, right, and centre. I think that's where it'll probably get magnified. But I don't think the away games, you know, especially if they're in bonkers type of places like Cluj, was I think why people queuing up to go. So. I don't think those that run travel companies will have too much to worry about. I think they've got to drop the prices at Old Trafford. I think they will do. Um, I've put a piece in the next mag about it. I think. They could have a singing stand in the Europa League. That'll, that'll sort it. I think the prices will be dropped by 25%. And they have to be. You, you can't be charging full whack against a nice landing team at Old Trafford. It just doesn't. It, it's supply and demand, and the club know that. I yeah. think the, if they drop the prices sufficiently, then the crowds could be quite decent. But United are really going to have to work hard to, to sell the ground out 
or, or push towards selling it out. And we might be lucky, we might get uh, a, a giant who's not made the Champions League either. There's some other teams who've had stinking seasons this year as well who could, could end up being in it. But it's those first round, uh, first group games where that'll be a difficult one for, for United to, to, to push on. But we, we shall see. All right then, mate. Well, thank you for your time. So that's it for this podcast. You can download the new United We Stand. We'll be posting the postal subscriptions out on Wednesday from Manchester and it'll be in the shops on Monday, maybe a day later with it being um, Easter. But it's a decent issue, so I hope you enjoy that and support the mag. We'll be back next week for the podcast. Until then, goodbye.